Welcome to the Centerpoint Vineyard Podcast. We're a church on Sydney's northern beaches, seeing lives transformed by Jesus. We hope you enjoy this message. So, hi. I know most of you, I don't know all of you. There's a few people I don't know. Hopefully get the chance to chat after. Um, but I'm Emily. Um, I've known Jonathan and Tanya for um, many years. And, um, and Nick, my husband, and our twins, um, joined Centrepoint in maybe, I don't even know, everything's a blur at the moment, maybe March this year. Um, and it's been such a joy to be part of this community and getting to know um, many of you guys here. Um, <clears throat> I work at the moment um, for Churches of Christ as a writer, telling stories about what's happening at different churches, kind of through that that, that network of churches. And, um, and that's a joy. I'm just picking up a couple of extra days at the moment. So the twins are starting daycare, which has meant back-to-back sicknesses for the last two weeks. So we're well now, which is like the best. Um, so I'm holding on to it while it lasts. Um, and anyway, that's our world at the moment, basically. Um, I saw this movie a few years ago. I don't know if anyone's seen Julie and Julia. It's like, it's like, I you nods, all the women. Um, <laughs> it's basically about this young woman who lives in um, Manhattan, New York, and, um, and she discovers cooking and she decides to cook through Julia Child's cookbook. It's like 524 recipes in a year, um, which is obviously more than one a day. Um, not quite two, I think, if my math is correct. And, um, and she blogs about it and writes what her experience is like. And the, the standout line from the movie for me uh, is one that um, is not really all that exciting, but the, the line is something that she wrote in her um, blog that she learned about cooking. And I've applied it to my own cooking, which is why I've remembered it, um, which is don't crowd the mushrooms. Um, <laughs> don't crowd the mushrooms, otherwise they won't brown. Um, and did you know that? I didn't. And so I used to have soggy, wet, limp, disgusting, bland mushrooms. And ever since I started just leaving lots of space, they're flavoursome and delicious. You can definitely overdo it, as I've learned from experience. But if you don't crowd the mushrooms, they get brown and tasty. They need some breathing room, in other words, if they're going to turn out their best. Um, Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out it's the same with us and our lives. Uh, we need a little bit of buffer. We need a little bit of breathing room. Uh, we need a little bit of margin in our worlds if we're going to be able to thrive, if we're going to be able to live the lives that God intends for us to live. I have to agree with Christian writer, preacher, pastor Andy Stanley, who says that life works better when there's breathing room. Um, when, and the breathing room he defines as the gap between our current pace of life and our limits. Uh, life works better when there's breathing room. Um, so in the same way that it's not great to use up every spare inch in your pan with mushrooms, um, don't use up every spare inch of your capacity um, with your work. Uh, just like mushrooms, it's not going to turn out too well for you. It's just not the way to thrive. And so today, as we lean in and listen for God's invitation to us um, in our approach to our work, and that's what I always think when we come to this time in our gatherings together, we're leaning in and listening for God. We're not, you're not listening to me, really. I don't like, please listen for God, not just to my words. Listen for him through what I'm saying. Um, and listen for his invitation to you when it comes to our working um, because there's a question for us this morning. How much space in the pan of your life have your metaphorical work mushrooms taken up? <laughs> how much breathing room is there? How much white space, as a graphic designer would say, the space outside of the image, the graphic? Um, how much breathing room is there? Is your working hitting right up against your limits, your emotional limits, your mental limits, your physical limits, your time limits? Or is there some margin in there? 
And when I say work, I just want to be really clear that I'm not just talking about paid employment. Um, I've been working at home looking after my twins. They're not even two yet. So like I'm just starting to pick up some paid employment on top of my homework. But I'm, so I personally am definitely not just talking about paid employment. I'm talking about any effort expended towards an outcome. That's how we might define work for our purposes today. Um, so it might be, might be paid employment. And for a lot of us, it will be. But it might also be helping out family. You know, you might be caring for different people in your family. It might be um, looking after small children and trying to keep a household somewhat functional. Um, it might be all kinds of different things. So how much, when you add all of that up, how much breathing room do you have um, outside of all the various kinds of work you do? And it can be kind of hard to figure that out. You're like, well, it's a bit of a random question. How do I work that out? And I think that one of the ways that we can know whether our working is taking up more space than perhaps it ought to um, is, is whether we have forgotten how to rest um, do you still know how to rest? Um, or when we take a break and we don't end up rested at the end of the break. Uh, we had this experience a few weeks ago. We went on holiday um, up to far north Queensland, which was amazing with the twins. Everyone had warned us a holiday with young children don't it's just not like a holiday as you know it um and so we took my in-laws <laughs> which um and so it still wasn't like a, ho a holiday like we knew it but we did have lots of downtime massages and pedicures well I had, Nick didn't have a pedicure <laughs> pedicure singular <laughs> um and um so there was a reasonable amount of downtime uh, but we came home and within a week and a half we hit this space where we were just like at the end of our rope already and we were like didn't we just have a glorious holiday like what how is it possible that we're already in this place we're just smashed and we just took a holiday like why didn't that fix it <laughs> what's going on that that holiday just didn't work um and and obviously there's the holidaying with twin toddlers factor um but I still think there was something more going on I read something by Tim Keller um who said that we have a problem with work in our society today and work as I defined it before and as a result we're both more in need of rest than ever before but also less emotionally able to rest um, than before. And so unless we solve the real issue that's going on for us, all the holidays in the world just won't do anything. Um, and part of the reason for me personally that I find it hard to rest, so this is me, I find it hard to switch off, I find it hard to scale down and, and actually have some breathing room and, and stop, is that I feel like my working's kind of got in, inside of me. It's, not, it's kind of ceased to be this thing that I do out there, this kind of activity, and it's kind of something that's inside. I feel like I have this kind of constant to-do list and sometimes I can't even name the things that are on the to-do list. It's just like this vague sense of I've got to be doing something. I don't even know what it is, but I have to be doing. I've got, like, and it's just this that just keeps ticking over inside somewhere in my soul. And I just can't seem to stop because it's inside. It drives me and it just doesn't let me stop or be at peace. Anyone? Do you know what I mean? That, that, okay. All right. Good. It's <laughs> the mm, <so> Christian. Mm. <laughs> Um, it makes me, for me, my experience of that is that, and, and maybe you can relate, it makes me restless, it makes me frenzied, absent-minded, like not present with the people that I'm with, which is often the twins, less content in what I do accomplish. Um, and worst of all, it squeezes out the breathing room in my soul, which is where the where joy and life and intimacy with God reside. Um, so it's a real issue for us. Um, the other reason that I find it hard to rest is that I've, I keep buying into this lie that my worth is attached to my capacity and my accomplishments. Um, 
I reckon in Sydney, being high capacity is the badge of honour. Uh, it's somehow considered shameful if you're average at something, you know, and, and maybe it's not just Sydney, but I think particularly in our city, that's something that I've observed. You know, I judge myself based on how much I can get done in a day, um, how my kids' meals measure up to what else I see on Instagram, which is ridiculous, but anyway, there you go, confession, um, how my house measures up. Um, and when I was in the workplace, I saw an obsession with productivity that can drive us so hard that in no time at all, we're pressed right up against our limits. Um, or even beyond our limits. And of course, there are times where we need to rush things through. There are deadlines, there are pressures, and that's just life. There's no way of avoiding that. But if we constantly live in that place, um, sooner, sooner or later, physically, emotionally, and mentally, we just, we fall apart. We, yeah, we fall apart. So what do we do? Um, that's it. That's, I think, I've noticed from that, mm, I think it was nearly everyone in the room. It's a, this is our experience of, of life today, and particularly with this last few years of COVID. Like, there's so many pressures, so much juggling, so much to do all the time. What do we do? Um, Oscar Wilde thought the solution was to overcorrect and not work. He said that um, well, hard work was the refuge of those who have nothing better to do. Oh. <laughs> so um, that's something we could do. We could just throw work out and say, well, work's the problem. Let's just not work. That's not the solution. I don't think that's what the Bible shows us. God works. He's given us work to do. Um, the problem isn't the presence of work in our lives. It's actually the absence of rest, um, the absence of breathing room. Um, in other words, work has burst the banks of its proper place in our lives um, and it squeezes out the rest that we need in order to thrive. Um, so what is the solution then if it's not, not working? Is there a way to be both fruitful in our work um, while keeping the open spaces in our souls? I want to suggest that there is, and I am turning to the Bible for those of you like, where's her Bible? <laughs> like, <laughs> this many minutes in, we haven't looked at the scriptures. Here we go. I should have flagged that at the beginning because I'm one of those people. We're going to look at the Bible today. Anyway, um, I haven't thought that here. I'll just, I'll just go. <laughs> I haven't thought that here. I just, I just want to say that. Um, so the, the passage we're going to look at is John 15, um, uh, which is the stories of Jesus. And he shows us the way in this passage to be most fruitful and most soulful at the same time. Um, and so for a bit of context, at this point in the story, in the Bible, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he was going to die. Um, he's walking with his followers and, um, and he stops to talk to them about, um, just to help them to understand how to live fruitfully in a world that tries to talk you into its own way of achieving success. This is what he says from verses one to four. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, and we're the branches, just by the way. He's the vine, we're the branches. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch, again, that's us, can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So the vine being a metaphor for Jesus, uh, he's saying that it's by making him our home, our place of rest, in other words, that we, the branches, can live the truly fruitful lives that we were designed to live. And because God wants you to be fruitful, 
He wants to see lots of good quality fruit coming out of your life. It's just that it's the kind of fruit that you can only bear by finding your rest in him. It's not, it's not fruit that we can somehow conjure up by lots of clever human activity. It's fruit that he grows through our lives. And so that's the way to find, to living both fruitfully and soulfully at the same time. It's finding inner rest in Jesus. Um, so how do we step into that? How can we access that this morning? How can we ground this? How can we put some handles on this for our li- actual lives and hearts this morning? Uh, well, there's one verse in particular that I want to draw our attention to. It's kind of like a sorry, not sorry moment. So just buckle up. That um, was verse two. You might have caught it um, when I read it before. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. N.T. Wright, who's another Christian writer, talks about rose bushes, similar, not similar to vines, but, you know, both plants. Um, He talks about how left to itself, a rose bush um, will get straggly and tangled and overgrown and actually gets in the way of the light that it needs to become its best self in order to thrive. It gets in its own way in other words. Um, So it ends up producing a a really large number of not so good quality roses instead of a smaller number of really good quality roses. Um, And so you prune back a rose bush in order to enable it to be the best that it can be, in order to enable it to thrive. It's the same with vines. You prune the vine, as Jesus is saying here, not to take away its productivity, not to take away its fruitfulness, but actually to enable it to be most fruitful, to enable it to be its best self. Um, And it's the same with us. God prunes our lives in order to enable us to be the most fruitful um, that we can be in order to thrive, in order to be the people that he has called and designed us to be. Now, it is so easy in Sydney to let our work, our activity, both internal and external, um, grow out of control and choke out the light that we need in order to thrive and to bear the fruit that God has designed us to bear. Um, And the tricky thing in in kind of discerning what that is, is that an out of control vine in your life might actually look really big and showy and impressive. And it might be the thing that you're most proud of and most attached to. Uh, And so you might think, well, no way that can that be an out of control vine in my life. Um, But it could be. It might actually be damaging your life and making you less truly fruitful in the ways that God has designed you to be. And so I want to ask you this morning to consider just to yourself, this is not group sharing, what parts parts of your life um, is the vine of your work choking? Might not be any, but be honest with yourself. What parts of your life is the vine of your working, your activity choking? Is it your physical health, your mental health, your home life, your self-care, your marriage, your kids, your grandkids? Is it your relationship with God? Is it your friendships? Is your work itself suffering? The quality of your work, the fruitfulness of your work. And this morning, I believe that God, the gardener, wants to cut back the overgrowth of activity in our lives in order to create some breathing room, some space in that pan so that you can be your most fruitful and your most soulful. Am I making sense? So you might be thinking, all right, okay, I see 
what you're saying, and that sounds fair enough, I think. <laughs> Maybe terrifying, uh, but sounds fair enough. Um, but if I were to let God cut back some overgrowth, what might that look like? How do I? How do I step into that? Do I just work fewer hours? Like, have you seen my life? Do you know what's required of me? Um, do I just do I make some schedule changes? Um, and some of that might be part of it. I don't know. I don't know the details of your world. Some of that might be part of it. But but if you're like me, you know that the um, the constant external working is driven in large part by a constant internal working. There's a working underneath the working that drives us, that keeps us keeps us working. And actually, until we know that we are enough and come to a place of rest internally, um, we're actually never going to be able to stop externally. Until we know that we're enough and come to a place of rest internally, we're never going to be able to stop working externally. And so I want to suggest that God, as the loving gardener, wants to do some work on the part of your soul that drives you to work and achieve and accomplish He wants to access your motivations for working to either cut it out or prune it back in order that your life would be even more fruitful and even more soulful. Now, to reassure you about this process, um, N.T. Wright again says that that is an intimate process and the vine dresser is never closer to the vine, taking more thought over its long-term health and productivity than when he has the knife in his hand. And I love that because it doesn't mean that God's going to come in with like this machete and just like hack away at my life and you know, just blood everywhere. You know, he's, it's, it's a, this is a tender, caring, intimate, close procedure. <laughs> it's a beautiful and intimate act of love. And we sung about the love of God before he comes close to us in his love. And he doesn't want to let anything get in the way of his love and his relationship with us and the fruitfulness and the health of our lives. There's nothing he wouldn't tear down, even overgrowth activity in our lives, even when we're really attached to it. And so how do we respond this morning to God's invitation to prune back our internal working. We'll focus just on that for now and you can think about if there's external changes, but I really I want to focus on the internal bit now. How do we respond to God's invitation to prune back our internal working? And the answer is that we look back. You know that feeling at the end of the very, for me, very occasional work day, uh, work day, (laughs) Um, where you look back and you can exhale and think, that was a good day of work. I accomplished what I wanted to get done. I did a really good job today. And you can think, yeah, I can rest. I can have a glass of wine. I can put my feet up. Everyone's asleep. Like, this is good. I can, you know that feeling? You're like, I can rest. I did a good job today. Um, I'm satisfied. It's done. Tim Keller again says that the same thing applies to our internal working. It's looking back on our completed work that can allow us to rest internally. Now, the problem for me is that when I look back at my own life and my own work, (laughs) I never quite measure up. It's never complete and it's never quite meets the mark. I've never quite been good enough. I've never quite been smart enough or perfect enough. I've never worked quite long enough hours. I've never quite been impressive enough. And so my point is that if we look back on our own working, none of us will ever be satisfied. None of us will ever be able to rest. 
we will continue striving to be enough on the inside and that continual striving, that inner working is going to continue to motivate this external working and we will just never be able to stop and never find rest. And so the good news, I do have good news for you this morning, (laughs) is that when you look back on the perfect and finished work of Jesus, the acceptable life of Jesus that he lived on your behalf, when, and when you accept it as your own, because that's actually what's on offer to you today, to accept Jesus' perfect finished life and work on your behalf as if it was your own. When you accept that, you then can say, I am enough. Because you're looking back on your work, his work, which becomes yours, and it's enough. It's finished, it's complete, it's good, it's perfect. And you can accept it as your own, as if it was your own working. You're not enough because of your own imperfect works, but because of his perfect works. And so you can rest. All the work you could ever need to do to be acceptable, to be enough, has been done in Jesus. And he offers it to you to accept as if it was your own. I don't know about you, but that's the biggest relief for me. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's the best. And so this morning, Jesus offers that to you to take up as your own. As Tim Keller again puts it, he lived the life that we should have lived and he died the death that we should have died so that we might live in this new and unending life with him. And that includes fruitfulness um, and soulful, fruitful living um, right now. And what happens when we accept that gift as our own is that the working underneath the working stops because our souls finally discover that they are enough in him and because of what he has done. There's nothing left to prove and there's nothing left to strive for. And when God the gardener cuts these overgrown spaces out of our hearts, this internal striving to be enough, we can rest, we can breathe, and the overgrown spaces in our souls start to open up and, we, and become these wellsprings of life and fruitfulness. And so Jesus offers us this beautiful invitation this morning that he first shared um, to his listeners in Scripture. And I'd love as we conclude for us all to stand, and I'm going to read it over you um, as an invitation from Jesus to you this morning. And then we'll move from there into some time of prayer ministry. So would you stand with me as I read, um, read these words of this invitation from Jesus over us all. Feel free to close your eyes, put your hands out if you like to, whatever is helpful for you to engage with, with Jesus in this moment. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly.
You've been listening to the Centerpoint Vineyard Podcast. To connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or by visiting our website, www.centerpointvineyard.org. The theme song for this podcast is Highest Praise by Kieran Delhart. So we see you.